0: Hey, Oakleaf Baptist Church, it is great to be able to spend some more time with you in the study of God's Word. We're going to continue our study in Esther tonight, but before we get into the Word of God, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we gather together. Father, thank You for Your love for us. Thank You for how You bless us so richly. God, we want to thank You for the salvation You've given us in Jesus Christ. uh, As we look out in in our culture, in our society, in our, our neighborhoods, our streets, our neighbors, I pray, Father, that You'll help us to be... Uh, witnesses for you, that our lives would reflect a child of God who walks with you, and that we would be ready always to tell people about Jesus, the cross of Calvary, and then what He did for us in saving us. Now, God, be with us tonight as we study Your Word. Talk to our hearts. Stir us. Help us to grow in You. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, as we do every week when we study the word of God with the book of Esther, we've been going through the books of the Bible to try to refresh ourselves on how to find where things are in scripture. So I want to encourage you to join along with us. Open your copy of God's word. We're going to start in Genesis and say the books of the Bible up through Esther. Ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Esther tucked right in there, right before the book of Psalms and Job. I want to encourage you to uh, watch previous lessons if you have not as of yet, but we're going to pick up tonight and continue our study. Chapter 7, and we're going to look at verse 1. Now, I want you to think about, as we look at the Word of God tonight, I want you to consider, first of all, we left off with Haman having to honor Mordecai, walking through the streets of the city, all around the palace, with all the people in the marketplace hearing uh, him uh, decree that um, Mordecai was being honored by the king and this is how the king honors people uh, there were there were um, criers out uh, in front of him crying this out and declaring it most likely there were soldiers and, and security personnel around um, this was a big deal and Haman had to walk all through the town around the city streets and through the marketplaces declaring, that the king was honoring Mordecai, and he was not happy. Now, if remember last week we left off that he came home to his wife and his friends and some wise men, and just as he had spilled his guts to them and told them all about what had happened that day and how he was so distraught, he started the morning out thinking he was going to enter the king's court and asked the king to be able to take uh, Mordecai and, and hang him to put him on... Uh, the the post that would impale him that was the term of of hanging at that point uh, the description of it in that culture so he's thinking he's going to go to the king Ahasuerus and get permission to kill Mordecai and instead the king ends up instructing him to honor Mordecai so he comes home to his wife and his friends and his wise men and they tell him listen you are not going to win against Mordecai. If he's a child of God. And and this has started and the only place it ends is with you being defeated and you being uh, uh, under him. So we pick up on the Scriptures at the end of chapter 6 with the the king's chamberlains coming to the door of Haman and knocking and saying, hey, it's time for the banquet with Esther. It is time to go. So he had no time to decompress, no time to get over all of the day's events that had happened that morning, that afternoon. And by the way, as we studied last time, it was hours that he had guided Mordecai through the streets honoring him. So he's tired, all this is going on, emotionally he's a mess. Um, Some of you watching this video know what it's like to be tired and emotionally a mess and just wore out and frazzled and something else to be put on your plate to have to deal with in the midst of all that. Well listen, that is exactly where Haman was at. So let's pick up in chapter 7 verse 1 and let's read what the Scripture says. The Bible says this, So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen. And the queen said again unto Esther on the second day of the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee, and what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition, and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondsmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is the wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. So that's what we're going to study tonight. So we have a few minutes in God's Word. Let's dive in and let's take a look at it. So in verse 1 we see, So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther the queen. As I said, the chamberlains came and got Haman, and the king was ready to be at the banquet that he had committed the night before to be at. Now remember, in all of this, the queen entered the king's court, and we studied that and she asked the king to come to a banquet we studied the first banquet and now we're on the second banquet that the king is attending to get the information that that uh, esther had told the king she needed to ask a request of him for so she has really built this up he realizes that this is a this is a significant request because she has been so timid at making such a bold request Uh, that it must be something significant that she is putting it off and trying to win him over to grant her the wish that she is going to ask for. As we look here, let's get into verse 2. The Bible says, And the king said again unto Esther on the second day of the the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even unto half the kingdom. Now." Understand that, again, we've kind of studied this, but just a reminder. Now, this, the wine that they were drinking at this banquet was not just uh, wine you, you would typically buy off the street. This was wine that came from uh, Chalbron in Damascus. And this was royal wine. This was, this was like the best of the best wines you could get your hands on. And this is what they were drinking. Now, in the Persian feast, I want you to understand there wasn't a great deal of solid foods necessarily. There was a lot of uh, drinking of water and drinking of, of wines that took place to fill people up. Now, interesting thing, as I was studying this, I found out that many people would drink water from the river. But uh, if they were going to drink water, this water would have been would have been harvested from 70 specific fountains in Persia that only the king and his sons were allowed to drink from. But we see here that they had wine at this festival. Now, obviously, or at this banquet, obviously, we would see that the the wine that was drank, there would also be water typically at these feasts as well as they were eating their food. As we look at this and we see the notes here for chapter uh, 7, verse 2, we also say see that in the Vulgate, the idea here is that Esther was providing the king wine to prepare him uh, to loosen him up a little bit so that he would be more prone and, and maybe more uh, relaxed to grant her the request that she was going to ask. Now, as we look here, I want to, to remember that this is the third time that the king is asking Esther what her request is. The third time, significant here, he dives right in in verse 2 and asks her specifically, okay, I've waited all this time. You, di- you didn't tell me what your request was in my court when you came to see me and I lifted the scepter uh, to-, to grant you access. You didn't ask us what your request or you didn't make your request on last night when we came to meet with you at the banquet you had last night. And now we're, now this is the third time I'm asking you, Esther, I need to know, what, what is it that you want, Esther? What is it that's so important that you would go through all of this and, and, and have all this take place that you would wait to ask what is needed here? Just ask me what it is up to half the kingdom. And again, we've studied that statement in previous Bible studies in the book of Esther as well. So this is the third time she, she is asked what her petition is. Verse 3, let's go. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at the petition, and my people at my request. Now, it, it, really interesting. When you look at this terminology that she used here, the queen says and answers the king, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king. Now, obviously we all know that she had found favor in his sight. As we look back at our study back in chapter 2, And we see the selection process he went through to choose a queen to replace Vashti. So King Ahasuerus or King Artaxerxes, whatever you would like to call him, uh, he is here and he has obviously already been captured by Esther's heart. He already loved her and fancied her, had preference to her and was wanting to to make her happy. And and her response is uh, in verse 3, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king. It's to say, listen, I know you chose me. And if there's any favor in that choosing that you can spare, this is my request. He says here, she says here, if it please the king, let my life be given to me at my petition. Now, that term life is, in the translation, it is soul. She she goes right for the heart of what is taking place in this situation where Haman has set out to kill all the Jews. And she tells the king that she would like him to protect, to preserve. If you look here in verse 3, it says, let my life or my soul be given me at my petition. Let me keep my life. My life, she's, she's, she's crying out to him, she's making him aware, my life is in danger and I want to ask you, king, if it would please you to preserve my life, not just my life only. Look at verse 3, and the life of her countrymen. If you look here, it says here, the life of my people at my request. Listen, I want you to consider that she's, she's telling the king, listen, Don't let my life be be taken from me because of someone's malice and anger and vengeance. And she says, listen, King, uh, listen, I want you to consider that a countryman, someone who, who just lives in the country, would they not have a right to at least plead for their life? Now, I want you to consider Esther was not just a countryman. I mean at least the queen the a friend of the king they 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 should have the boldness to be able to go to the king and to be able to request their life to be preserved uh, before they face death out of someone's anger and vengeance and malice and this is what she is bringing to the king don't you think that even if a stranger or a criminal could beg for his life don't you think the king would, would pay more attention and be more attentive to the queen he has chosen to, to, to state to him, to tell him, my life is in danger and I need you to preserve it. I need you to save it. Boy, I tell you, could you imagine the king being on the edge of his seat at this point and the fury that, we, that I imagine after verse 3. Him thinking, I mean, I want you to consider this. What if someone you love dearly came to you because they knew you had it in your power to preserve their life and and you had no clue their life was in danger, but they came to you and said, Hey, I need you to preserve my life out of malice and anger and vengeance. Someone is trying to kill me, not just me, but my people. I need you to help. Listen, if... If someone came to you in your life and that was their cry, that was their request, wouldn't wouldn't there be some anger stirred up in your heart and in your life about who in the world would want to harm someone I love? Well, you can imagine the the king's mindset. I want you to consider this. What about the king's surprise at this petition? Esther could have asked the king, for wealth. Esther could have asked the king for honor, for preferential treatment. She could have asked the king to elevate one of her family members or friends or loved ones to a a visory spot or a, a special place in the kingdom that would have respect and honor and money. But the king gets something that he did not expect at all. She's begging for her life. And not just her life, but the life of her people, her countrymen. Now, I want you to think about this in verse 3. What if this is the first time that King Artaxerxes is exposed to the fact that Esther is, in fact, a Jewess, and that she is part of the Jewish nation? Could you imagine how mind-blowing this would be for him to find out that his wife is a Jew and her life is in danger and he is furious and he, his, his mind is all over the place about what he should do. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 4. It says, for we are sold and I and my people to be destroyed, to be slain and to perish. Boy, she really, really sells this to him as to what the demise is. But if we had been sold for bondman and bondwoman, I'd have held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage." Now Haman, I want you to say this, Haman could not profit. He could not profit from the king by his malice in killing and, and annihilating all of the Jews. I want you to understand that, that the king couldn't profit from the 10,000 um, uh, the, the 10, pieces of silver or, or money that Haman had committed to the king's treasury. The king wasn't going to profit from that minuscule amount of money when you consider all of the taxes and revenues that these Jews, the nation of the Jews, would be bringing into his kingdom through the marketplace and through farming and through, through cattle and through uh, just everything else that would be involved in the marketplaces there in, in Persia. I want you to also consider that if all of these Jews are killed, look at all the workers in the king, kingdom that are going to be lost and the amount of work lab, labor hours that are going to be lost by killing off all of these Jewish people. I want you to, kiss. the king's mind is, is, I'm sure, spinning at this point. And Esther says, listen, verse 5, uh, excuse me, verse 4, For if we are sold, I, my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, to perish. She says, King, someone has paid, to be able to kill us to kill me and she says listen if if it would have been that we were being put into servanthood it'd be a different story here but we're not talking about we're becoming servants bond servants and bond maids for people we are being killed we are going to be killed she brings home the severity of the situation now i want you to think about If they became servants and it didn't work out, they could could change or not change the law, but they could make a new law that would allow them to to transition to something that would work. However, in this case, there is no going back and changing the decision once they're dead. Once they're dead, they're dead. There's, There's no changing the decision. And she's pleading with the king regarding the situation that, that is taking place right here in front of him. Now, to circumvent the king with subtlety here, Haman had went before him and he had, he had made a deal with the king. Now, when we look at this passage and we see what takes place here, we see in that process of making a deal with the king, we need to understand that there's no way that Verse 4, the term here, look at the end of verse 4. The enemy could not countervail the king's damage. First of all, Esther is painting the picture of someone that is an enemy of the king, an enemy of her people. And this enemy has done is going to do something to hurt the king, not just from a financial perspective, from a labor perspective, all this stuff is, 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 is affected here by what's going on. And the reason I bring this out is because Haman offered to pay the king amount of money to ease the king's thoughts about the revenue that he would lose. However the king uh, may not have realized the significance and how large of a group of people that Haman was proposing to kill. Now. I want you to look at the end of verse 4. We see here him outlined as the enemy could not countervail. Now, that word countervail is an old word that means the, the root comes from to, to make level or equalize or profit or reconcile. So she is pleading with the king to stipulate and state clearly that if, if they were going to be made servants in the servitude, they could at least be worth some value to the king and the kingdom. But dead, they are worth nothing. And in the process of this being explained to the king, we see that Esther says the money, she's aware of it, the money that you've been given is not enough to even remotely reconcile the destruction and death of this, this whole nation, all My people. So, we get to verse 5. Then the king Ahasuerus, his Artaxerxes, his interchangeable names, answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? Now, it's amazing here. The king is acting confused about who would come up with such a plan Such a dastardly and devious idea. Apparently the king had forgotten by some means, somehow, that Haman had laid this plot out before him. And he had taken his ring off. The king Ahasuerus had taken his ring off and given it to Haman to carry out this deed. Now listen, whether the king forgot, we, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but here his response in verse 5 leads us to believe that he was, con- he was somewhat confused about who would do such a thing. We see here, he says, who is he? Where is he? That just he presume in his heart to do so. Listen, he's saying who in the world would would?" would do this. Now, we know that Haman, in a subtle way, went to the king and pled his case. But now the king is is being told, listen, this law, this this action by this person, this enemy, has put my life and my people's life in danger. Not only the estate of of the king would be Impaired by the loss of the queen, but many innocent subjects would be killed. And it's not just about the subject being killed and destroyed, but there's no mercy in the way it's going to be done. He's going to lose this tax revenue and the financial in, input into his kingdom. And not only that, but his queen is going to be put to death based on this declaration that the enemy has made. As we look at this passage and we see that the king's befuddled at, at what's taking place here. Um, we don't Again, we don't know why he was confused or why he was, he was kind of not knowing who, what, where, when, or how. But I will tell you this. What do you think Haman's face looked like as Esther is making her request to the king? He knows good and well. He's the enemy. He's the one that has got this ball rolling. And he is the one who went to the king and went through all this. Can you imagine? Let's remember now. How did his morning start? How did his mor- he was going to the king's palace to get in the king's court to ask to take. Mordecai's life and now Haman has had this day where he not he didn't get Mordecai's life he has to walk him through the city honoring him he goes home no sooner gets home from hours of walking through the city honoring him to having to be taken to this banquet with Esther he's not in the mood to be at a banquet he's he's overcome and he's got all this emotion and frustration and anger and everything going on because of what happened that day and now Esther, the prosecutor, is pleading her case before the king, who is the judge. And the king doesn't even know that the defendant, the guilty party, is sitting feet from him. Let's look in verse 6. The Bible says, And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is the wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. Listen, it's He that designed this murderous plot. He is the... I love what she says here. The adversary. She goes a step further. The enemy that I was just talking about in the the previous sentence here. That enemy, that adversary is Haman. And in her declaration of Haman being that one, we see in the passage of Scripture here, that Haman, look at the end of verse 6, Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. So now Esther goes through this whole request with the king. She makes her request known. The king at this point is beside himself with what Esther's asking for and he, who is it that would do such a preposterous thing? She says, him, Haman. He's the evil one. He's the adversary. We see here that in this passage, we're going to end with verse 6 this evening. We see here that he was afraid. Now, I think it's interesting that when you look up that word afraid in the the text here, in the the original languages, the word afraid carries the connotation or the, the word picture of he shrank back in terror. Once thought to be so big, now is trying to make himself very small. He, he wants out of that room. He does not want to be noticed any longer. He has been outed. Now, I want you to consider again the surprise that Haman must have faced. Remember, 24 hours before this banquet, Haman is on cloud nine because he was invited to a personal banquet with the queen and the king, very rare. He goes home that night and he talks to his wife and his friends and they come up with a plot to kill Mordecai. That morning he feels like all of his troubles that morning will be taken care of. When he kills Mordecai he has the gallows already built, already has that big pole in the ground to impale Mordecai on. And Haman goes to the king to get permission. I want you to think about it, he's on cloud nine. He's thinking he's got the world by a tail. He walks into the king's court, doesn't even get out of his mouth what his request is. And the king says, I, "What would you do to honor a man?" Haman's thinking, "All oh, man, the king is going to honor me. He's going to." So he starts telling the king all that he would want to be honored. This guy's head must have been huge from pride and. Man, I'm telling you, I could not imagine emotionally this guy is just on top of the world. Now, the king tells him, walk through the town honoring Mordecai. Then he comes to this meeting and Esther says, King, my one request is that you preserve, you preserve my life and my people, my my countrymen's lives, because an evil person is out to kill us. And now the king knows Haman's plot. You'll have to tune in next week to find out what the king does. Or you could open the Scriptures and keep reading. But I'll tell you, folks, I I want to bring to your attention again in the Scriptures here. Listen, the providence of God is something that we'll never be able to wrap our minds around. But God will provide for you. He knows when you're His child and you're seeking Him, listen, He knows right where you're at and He knows your needs. He knows your needs better than you do. And we have to be careful that we don't let our wants get intermingled with our needs. But God knows what your need is, and He will supply your need. Yes, it may take work. Yes, it it may take change in our lives. There may be things that need to be done different. But God and His plan will always work out because He's God. This is the God we serve. The God who sent His Son, the God in the flesh to go to the cross of Calvary to pay for our sin. Listen, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I encourage you tonight, take take time, get alone with God and ask Him to forgive you for your sin, to come into your life. Accept that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and went to the cross of Calvary to pay for your sin. And that is the only way to heaven. Give your life to God. Listen, if you have questions, don't, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Go to oakleafbaptist.org, and there's, a, there's a, a, an option under one of the headings to ask the pastor a question. If you need help, you need somebody to talk to about this, please reach out to us and let us know. We would love to speak with you and answer your questions about how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for how you have been so good to us, and this story is so awesome to see people in such a horrible place in life but then to see you show up and provide god i pray that you will help us help us to have faith and to know that your plan is at work and though it may get ugly and though it may get hard and though it may get dirty and though things may be be laborious for us that we keep our eyes focused on you and that as we labor and as we deal with hardship and as we 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 try to do what you have put us here to do that we will keep our eyes focused on you and the work that you're trying to accomplish now father bless us as we go our way take us in peace help us to be bold in our witness to tell those around us about who jesus is and we pray all this in jesus precious name and all god's people said amen Thank you for joining us, enjoy your week.